Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. Well, it's January 2024, as I record this. Resolutions are still fresh in a lot of minds, and maybe one of yours was to be more effective or at least more motivated about work. But it isn't easy. For a lot of reasons, getting motivated can be a difficult thing to do. Well, my guest today believes there are ways to revitalize your relationship to work this year and in general. His name is Art Markman. He's professor of psychology, human dimensions of organizations and marketing, and vice provost for academic affairs at the University of Texas, Austin. As well, he's the author of several books, the most recent of which is called Bring Your Brain to Work. Now, Art has done a lot of work on how people can achieve their goals, and he has a lot of thoughts on how to jumpstart your motivation, so really a timely time uh, to consider this. I had a great discussion with Art. You know, he has some really practical suggestions about all of this, and it's worth taking some time to listen to them. So please stay with us. Well, it's a new year. How do you find motivation at work? To talk about that, I'm joined by Art Markman. He's Professor of Psychology, Human Dimensions of Organizations, and Marketing at the University of Texas at Austin. Art, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, uh, Lynn, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much. You know, I always ask my guests about their backgrounds and how they ended up doing the kind of work they're doing. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, it was kind of an interesting path. I mean, I I went to college thinking I was going to major in economics or physics. And as I like to say, I took an an economics class and didn't like it that much, took a physics class and it didn't like me. And uh, after a few years, realized that almost all the courses that I really enjoyed had something to do with the mind and and, and ended up uh, as a cognitive science major in college. Uh, and because I was in school in the eighties when computers were slow and didn't have access to the kind of data they have now, um, I, I ended up choosing ultimately to go into, uh, study psychology as the best way of trying to understand intelligent behavior and, uh, went to graduate school at the university of Illinois and, and was lucky enough to, uh, to get a tenure track job, ultimately at Columbia University, spent five years there and, and, and then moved to the University of Texas, where I've been since 1998 and um, have a great time uh, doing. I, I do research on, on reasoning and decision making and motivation, and I, I try to bring that work outward as much as possible and, and also to use it organizationally. So I have an administrative role at the university now as well and, and feel like that psychology background has, has been really valuable there two in in really using that to to help me understand all of the people that I have to work with. I'm sure. You know, it's interesting that so much of what you study has implications for the workplace, particularly now. Uh, I know you've written several books. The most recent has a cool title, I think. Yeah, I I'm, I was happy with that one. You know, it's funny. Uh, Tell us I, what it is. It's So I've done several books. The the most recent one is called Bring Your Brain to Work yes. and and it's it's the only book where the title survived from the proposal all the way to the final book, you know, publishers like to, to, to mess with titles and, and, uh, but, but that one, I, when I, when I thought about that one, I was, I was sure someone else had already used it, but I, I, I did a quick search and discovered nobody had. So I'm good about that. So, okay. When you say bring your brain to work, what are you referring to? 
if you if you think about it, a tremendous amount of your ability to find a job that you're going to like, to do that job effectively, and then to manage that whole career cycle where you then begin to look for the next position, all of that has uh, is is influenced by your your brain, by by your ability to think, by your ability to develop and stay motivated to do the work you want to do, your ability to engage with the people around you effectively, and and also your ability to improvise, your ability to uh, to to recognize that a that a situation that you're in is not exactly like one that you've been in before, and and you're going to need to uh, to be a little bit more nimble, and and all of those elements play a role in in that entire cycle of getting a job, uh, doing that job well, and then and then moving on to the next one. Well, I want to talk about the motivation side of it because it's the beginning of the year, and a lot of people are are trying to kickstart their projects, but also how they feel about their work and their jobs. I want to start with a broad question. Maybe you can't answer it. Do you think right now, having gone through everything we've gone through, pandemic and business cycles and everything, this workforce is motivated or are they somewhere else? You know, it's it's a mix. I mean, I think one of the trends that we've seen just over the last, really over the last 30 years, has been a recognition that work isn't necessarily everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think I think it's it's becoming less and less common, for example, for people to start conversations off by saying, what do you do? Where where the expectation is that your career defines a tremendous amount of what you are. And and I think that's a reflection that 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 not everyone sees work as a as as their true calling in life. It's it's often a, a more utilitarian uh, approach. And and consequently, I, I think that 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 there are a lot of people who who find their their joy in life through through things that are not part of work, and yet we spend a huge amount of time at work. Mm-hmm. You know, even even if you worked the bare minimum of say a forty hour work week, you're still putting in a pretty significant fraction of your year at the workplace. And many people, forty hours is 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 a minimum, not a maximum, and uh, and and I think you know being able to find joy in the work you do, being able to find uh, meaning in the work that you do, being able to to do something that that really fits your values, is extraordinarily important. And and I think that that you know when you when you talk to people uh, who who really love the work that they do, they they often see the the day to day work that they do as being part of something that's really bigger than just themselves. And and more than just a, an avenue for for gaining wealth, it's it's a, it's it's an avenue for living out their values. And 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 often, you know, and and of course, our values all differ. Uh, you know, and and that's that's actually one of the reasons why people may wake up one day and realize that they're no longer as interested in the job they're doing as they were because because your values will shift over the course of your life. Mm. So you you might want to be known for being successful early in your early in your career and then later realize no actually i i want to make a difference i want to i want to influence my community i want to have an impact on other people and and that's one of the reasons you often see people shifting careers uh, even though they've been quite successful you know and that's fair but for a lot of people they are in the jobs they're in they can't quit them and they don't really i don't say they don't feel motivated the work or even if they do they don't feel motivated to get it done we're all like that you know if you're in that situation what are the things you need to think about to get out of it 
Yeah, you know, I I think that that if you if you really find that the that the day to day tasks you're doing aren't that interesting, one of the things you have to ask is is to what degree does this does the work that's being done by the organization that I'm working for add up to something more significant? Because you know, we any any important thing that that is uh, being done requires lots of different con- con- contributors, lots of different types of contributions, and so. Um, sometimes the particular tasks you're doing aren't all that much fun, but you realize that you are contributing to something more significant. And so uh, at times focusing on that is, is really crucial. Um, sometimes I think you, you know, finding people that you enjoy engaging with at work can matter. And, and of course that's been hampered, you know, post pandemic, mm-hmm. pre pandemic, we, we all went to the office every day. And so we got to engage with everybody post pandemic. Um, it's been much more mixed. Uh, a lot of people still haven't gone back to work uh, in their offices, at least full time, and 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 do as a result feel a little bit more disconnected with some of their colleagues. And and if you find yourself in that situation where where you feel like I'm not not really getting to see the people that I I work with as often, trying to schedule social occasions with them or or at least opportunities to check in with people more often in a way that that is a little bit less goal directed can be really valuable. Uh, you know, if you think about what used to happen when we were we were all together in the workplace all the time, you, you know, you'd, you'd walk into a meeting, a group meeting, and, and you might get there two minutes early and see somebody else you knew, and you'd be able to sit down and, and have a quick conversation with them and check in with them and, and, and really establish that connection. And now, you know, you get on these video conference meetings on platforms like Zoom, and all only one person can talk at a time. So for one thing, it's only the extroverts who engage in the conversation. And, and then for another, you know, it, it, it really isn't conducive to having a, a quick check-in with somebody that you don't necessarily want everybody else to hear. And so you have to be a little bit more deliberate in scheduling that time to, to create those connections, because I think those connections can be motivating as well. That feeling that, that I'm, I'm engaging in the work that I do with other people that I care about. And that's something I've talked about with people quite a lot over the last year. Managers are struggling with this too. If you're a manager and you want your team to engage better, what are the things you should be thinking of? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, it's for one thing, I think it's really important to, um, to, to demonstrate what you want and not just to tell people what you want. You know, I, I, something I talk about a lot with respect to, to the workplace is that when you're in a leadership role, there's what you say, what you do, and what you reward. And the people who work for you are listening to those in reverse order. So they want to know what's being rewarded at work. Then they're looking to see what people are doing. And really, they're only paying attention to, to what you say you want in a, in a tangential way. And so, you know, if you want to create more social interaction, you've got to start by doing some of that yourself, by scheduling time with your direct reports and, and having conversations with them. And, and doing it in a way that also encourages them to have those conversations amongst themselves that, that you, you know, you, they, if, if they see you doing the thing that you want uh, other people to do, they're going to be more likely to do it. And then, you know, calling people out who've made a real effort to, to build up that set of, of social relationships at work uh, and, and, and highlighting those contributions is also valuable because we're all paying a lot of attention to what's being rewarded and, and rewards aren't just promotions and pay. They're also acknowledgements. And I think, you know, pointing out, you know, congratulating somebody for doing a great job at, at really 
developing those relationships in the workplace and, and staying well connected is a, is, is a way of helping people to know that it's something you're paying attention to and it's something that you value. I don't know if you can answer this, but have you looked at different organizations and seen which ones create more motivated workers versus the ones that don't? Yeah, you know, they can do. Well, it's yeah, I mean, there are lots of different kinds of uh, ways of creating that kind of of uh, engagement. I mean, certainly organizations that bring people back to the mission of the organization and help people to feel connected to that can be, uh, you know, that's really important. And, and that, that there has to be visible uh, uh, evidence of that mission. It's not a matter of just talking about it. I'm, I'm lucky enough to work at the university of Texas. And, and so, you know, one of the things we encourage people to do all the time, regardless of the role that they play, uh, you know, our, so, so our faculty, but certainly our staff, is you know go take a walk out on campus and and you know walk across the campus and see the students right remember that the reason we're here is because we are creating this wonderful experience for our students and that we're supporting uh you know the, the great research of our faculty and and encouraging people to get out there and and witness that is important it's not enough just to talk about it and i think that organizations that are able to highlight that mission um do do a really good job of keeping people motivated even in, even when you can't pay them a lot i mean you know universities um the pay structure at universities isn't what it isn't as much as as it might be in in other organizations but we have a very dedicated group of people because that mission is so present i think that that's that's certainly one thing i think that that the other thing that's really important for organizations to 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 create that that real feeling of motivation is is to follow through consistently on the full chain of communication that you engage with. So one of the things that happens in organizations a lot is, you know, you ask for feedback from people, uh, you, you know, well, what can we do to improve? What, what do we need to do to, 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 to be better? And, and initially asking people for that opinion is, is motivating. I, you know, oh, they care. Mm-hmm. But it only remains motivating if you actually follow through on it. And, and if you actually demonstrate that, that, things have changed in a tangible way as a result of asking for feedback. And so, you know, I think it's important to to close that loop and to really get people to feel like they have a voice and a voice that matters uh, in in the way that the work gets done. And I think that that organizations that do that really effectively uh, are ones that, uh, that, that create engaged people. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a radical concept though, right? That's leadership where you listen as opposed to tell people. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, you know, and it's, it's it, 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 you know, it, it takes a certain amount of courage as a leader to, to listen uh, because, because it, it, it forces you to be explicit about the fact that you yourself don't have all of the answers. And, and I think, you know, we still tend to, um, focus on leaders who who seem to know everything in advance and uh you know it's, it's funny in one of the things i talk about in in bring your brain to work is i i have this these sections i call the jazz brain which is is sort of the you know that ability to to learn from what's required to improvise effectively and and i in one of the sections i talk about what i what i i affectionately refer to as the the first law of jazz which uh, i play the saxophone and so uh you know, one of the things that they teach you is whenever, whenever you sit in with a new combo, uh, you listen more than you play. 
And and that's because as a musician, if you really want to fit in with the the other musicians you're playing with, you've got to know what they're doing. You've got to understand what style they're playing in, and you want to really um, you really want to find a way to allow the the playing that you're doing to to fit in with what's already going on. And I think that new leaders need to do that as well, and leaders in general need to do that because there's a tendency in a leadership role to think, no, I've just got to I've got to get out there ahead of everything and 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 say some things that are just going to be really profound and 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 have a you know have my immediate impact in that way. And, and if you listen to what people are talking about, if you if you listen to the problems that they're describing, if you listen to what they say, but also the things that they're not saying. So uh, one of the things that that does is it enables you to connect the 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 work that you'd like to to see people doing to to where they are, to their values, the things that they care about. And and to to help them to solve problems in the workplace that they're seeing, and and I think that that it takes a certain amount of uh, of courage to be willing to to be guided to some degree by things that that are going on in other people's lives in the workplace, rather than thinking you have to be the center of attention and the influence on everything. Interesting. Let's bring it back down to the micro level. You're an individual worker. You're trying to get motivated to deal with the projects on your desk and everything else in a practical way. Are there things we need to be thinking of? Or am I the only one who procrastinates? No, I think everybody procrastinates. And I think, you know, one of the one of the things you have to do is to is to actually analyze a little bit where that procrastination is coming from. And it it, it can often arise from one of two sources the the first of which is uh is that a certain number of people procrastinate because they are perfectionists at heart and so they're they're concerned about getting getting going on a project or or getting finishing a project because it will be imperfect uh the fact is everything is imperfect and and what we have to recognize is that the sign of success in the work that you do is not churning out a perfect product. It is churning out a product that's good enough for what needs to be done at the moment and one that that can be fixed if uh, if if there's something that 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 goes wrong because you can't foresee every eventuality. And so one problem with perfectionism is if you spend way too much time on every project, then then your to-do list just backs up. Uh, and then the other is is that you you end up putting something out that's good but misses something and you're not prepared to fix it. So I, I tell my teams all the time, look, when 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 we're getting a new project out there, just start by getting a B minus. You know, we'll fix it. We'll, we'll get an A eventually, but but let's get it out there and and let the world have at it. So that's one one element. The other element that stops us is that there are just a certain number of tasks. That we just don't want to do. They're no fun. We're not. We're not looking forward to them. And and I think there, what you have to recognize is that is that what creates motivation for people is what what you can call the bridgeable gap. And a bridgeable gap is basically uh, has two components. The first is the gap. Uh, you you create energy, motivational energy for yourself when there's a gap between where you'd like to be uh, and where you are motivationally. So, so you have to find a way of building that gap of taking the task that needs to get done and, and recognizing that there's something important to you that, that, um, 
that that can be achieved by working on this project. And you know, unfortunately, a lot of times we build that gap um, by by focusing on on the negative. If I don't do this thing, a bad thing is going to happen, and and that that creates what's called an avoidance gap, which creates a lot of stress and anxiety at work. Uh, it's one of the reasons that people are so stressed all the time at work is because they're they're focusing their their those gaps primarily on what's going to go wrong if I don't do the work that I'm supposed to do. And I think you know the, the uh, another way to approach things is to say, look, I what I want to do is to focus on what desirable outcome I can create if I. Uh, if I achieve this this outcome by completing this task and focusing on that positive, because by focusing on that positive, you actually create opportunities for more satisfaction and joy in the work that you do. So, you, you know, really looking to to say, you know what, uh, here's where my life is right now. Here's where my work life is right now. But here's how much better it could be if I could finish this task. And so, you know, really trying to look for what is the benefit of doing this. The bridgeable part is that you also need a plan to achieve it. And, and for some tasks, um, you know how to do it. You can do it by rote. You've done these things a lot of times before. But there are times where part of the reason we don't get started on something is because we don't actually know how to do it. Uh, you know, we're motivated. We, we are energized to do it. We recognize that it's important, but, but we're actually not sure what to do. And, and one of the things that happens is we, we often then are a little bit afraid to ask somebody for help. You know, I, I think there are a fair number of people who suffer from one version or another of imposter syndrome in the workplace where they feel like, well, I don't necessarily deserve to be in the position that I'm in. And when you have that, that imposter feeling, one of the things that happens is you don't ask for help because you feel like if I ask for help, I'm simply going to prove to somebody that I don't belong in the position that I'm in. And, and what you have to recognize is that most people have been hired into the roles that they've been hired into, not because they already know how to do everything associated with the job, but because the people who hired you believe you have the potential to do a great job. And so they can only help you to achieve that potential if you tell them the places where you need help. And so I think if you find that the reason that you're having trouble knocking things off that to-do list is because you realize some of those things require some assistance, some new knowledge, some, some, some help. Um, you got to ask for it. And, and, and honestly, you know, your, your supervisor is likely to appreciate the fact that you came for help rather than, uh, than looking down their nose at you for that. All right. We better leave it there, but thank you so much for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks. It was, it was great talking to you. Art Markman is Professor of Psychology, Human Dimensions of Organizations and Marketing at the University of Texas at Austin. Well, that's it for today. If you like this conversation, please take a moment to leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. That will really help people to find us and it will help us to keep these conversations going. If you want to know more about Art and his book and his work, please take a look at our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter, used to be at Actually, I'm on X, used to be Twitter, at at Relentless Eco. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks, as always, to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work and the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a Relentless Economics production.